Hey fellow nerds, I'm Megan Smiley and this is the Lawyer's Escape Pod. For those of you who've gotten into practice, looked around and thought, so this is my life? I get it. You're in deep and you feel stuck. You may have no idea what the next step would be, or maybe you have an idea, but think it's unrealistic. I truly believe that there's a path forward for each of us if we're intentional about finding it. And this podcast will be a great source of advice and inspiration for you to make that leap to a more fulfilling career. Hey guys, welcome back. I am sorry I've been a little MIA. Uh, much has changed. Um, for one thing, I, as of last week, now live in San Diego. So that happened. Um, it's sort of part of a larger life shift um, that I will definitely be filling everyone in on. Um, I just need to sit down and, and record something for you, telling you the whole story. Um, but if you want a little preview, I was just on Sarah Cottrell's podcast, The Former Lawyer, um, and I give her a little insight into what's been going on with my career shifts. Um, and I'm really excited, and you guys will all get get caught up soon enough. But I did want to jump back in sooner rather than later to episodes um, with my guests. So today my guest is Charlotte Smith. She's a former UK employment attorney who now runs her own business coaching lawyers in her Life Design for Lawyers program. You can also check her out on her podcast, Limitless Lawyer. So Charlotte tells us about her journey away from practicing law and how she followed the breadcrumb path of her interests and intuition to her new career. Wasn't always smooth. (laughs) I can say from experience, these paths often aren't. Um, But I love Charlotte's core message, which is just that anything is possible and you should design your life around what you want rather than letting life happen to you. I really enjoyed this conversation with Charlotte. I felt like we had a lot in common. And I certainly share her philosophy that life is just too short to be unhappy or play small. So enjoy this conversation with Charlotte. Hey, Charlotte. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Megan. Oh, absolutely. I'm really excited. So I'd like to start with all my guests by asking uh, what initially took you to law school? Well, I love that question because <laughs> I could probably say a few things. I was a big fan of Ali McBeal. Oh, <laughs> yes. <Really blonde>. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, more seriously, um, when I was, you know, at high school and and so on and considering my career path um at around age 15 I did a lot of work experience at Uh criminal law firms um I did one at the CPS the Crown Prosecution Service in the UK Uh and it was just absolutely fascinating and this very senior lawyer at the CPS, she was an absolutely incredible advocate and um, had you know, a very high success rate in uh-huh. terms of her prosecutions. And she also used to come back to the office and like paint her nails. And I was just like, 
at 15 years old, you are a complete rock star. So I right. think that, that <laughs> you know, this impression upon me. Yeah. And this was back before the days of, um, you know, having a career in the tech industry and, and so on and so right. forth. And I do feel that it was very much laid out to me as a child, you know, you can be successful if you become a doctor, if you become a lawyer, if you become an architect and, you know, so on. And so I definitely believe there was some kind of, um, you know, parental, I don't know if pressure is the right word, but just molding. (laughs) Right, right, right. Um, so, So, yeah, that's kind of like how my journey began. Right. Um, and I was actually very interested when I um, went to law school yeah. and I did my dissertation. I actually did it on the Kyoto Protocol and the oh. European Emissions Trading Scheme. So I was very interested in um, the cutting edge of law and how it would help to change the world and make an impact. So that was always very fascinating yeah to me so when you graduated and moved into looking for for jobs is is did you get into environmental stuff or no I didn't I did a lot of (laughs) interviews actually in the environmental field but I guess like so this was kind of like 2006 2007 yeah it wasn't a huge area of law. <laughs> yeah. And so actually where I landed was in a travel and aviation law firm, a boutique firm. That oh, specialized, yeah, specialized there was one guy at my the... firm that did that. And I was just like, that's so interesting. What is that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was, you know, and in a lot of ways it checked those mm-hmm. boxes because it, again, in, um, the, in Europe, <laughs> there are yep. a lot of like, yep. EU regulations regarding aviation, package travel. Right. And it's a very cutting edge area of law that is constantly changing and evolving. Yeah. And the law firm that I practiced at, um, they were obviously very niche and very specialist, mm-hmm. but they actually um, practiced a variety of areas of law and in the UK we have training contracts so mm-hmm. you do a seat in corporate law you do a seat in commercial law and drafting mm-hmm. contracts but drafting booking conditions and so on right. um, but I eventually ended up landing in employment law and I progressed within the firm I practiced mm-hmm. there for seven years and at the end, I was head of employment law and I was on the partnership track. And just before I left, I was actually offered partnership. Ooh. <laughs> and that was my crossroad moment. Right, right. Had you, what had your thought process been during those seven years? Were you thinking this is going well, I'm into partner maybe? Or were you just like, how do I get out of here or something in between? Oh, well, actually, I was hungry and I was driven and I wanted to become partner. And I literally, you know, put all of my energy into doing that. Yeah. 
which is very interesting because for me, my experience was that once I had, you know, accomplished it, once I had got to the point that I had got that offer, I really started to question it. Ah. And I really started to ask those deeper questions. What is it that I really want? And mm -hmm. is this going to be able to kind of deliver that for me? So was that kind of a shock to you because you had been so sort of motivated and, and focused on it to get to that point where you mm. presumably ultimately decided that wasn't for you? I think probably, um, you know, so if I was, I was practicing seven years, I reckon around um, five years, I started to explore um, marketing, business development, being more creative. And so in the last two years that I was practicing, mm -hmm. I started a food blog. Hmm. It's called Paleo Polly. It was a top UK food blogger. Oh wow! <laughs> and so I was actually like immersing myself in social media, how to build websites, right? You know, in a completely different world. And I found that creative outlet to be really exciting and yeah. I was like hosting supper clubs I was on like the BBC on the radio oh talking about um you know cooking and food so Hello. I think that definitely paid played a part in me starting to consider like what else could my career look like how right. could I become an entrepreneur and how do I fuse all of the the skills together yeah um, and I should probably also add here around that point in time as well the the firm that I worked at was great and they gave us a lot of um autonomy mm -hmm. as young lawyers <laughs> we were um put out into the world to do business development really probably wow. from around like three years in so wow that's yeah. definitely not was not my experience yeah yeah, yeah. It, it was kind of very unusual. And the senior partner, he was very happy for us to have, you know, be innovative, try mm -hmm. different things. And um, I was listed on a 30 under 30 award um, for my contribution to like innovation at the firm. Um, I created a, an employment law project which um, incorporated like legal services and then it was insurance backed and it was specifically targeted at the travel industry. Hmm. So again, my experience of working on projects like that started to fuel the fire of um, entrepreneurship or right. having an interest in marketing business development the digital space and so on and so you know around that five-year mark all of these kind of ideas were flowing right, and then, right you know by year seven I was like oh actually I've got this itch that I need to scratch and I want to try something different and, yeah you know, also around that time I was doing a lot of corporate work and I was working quite late sometimes right. in the office till 3am so 
it all yep. feeds into is this really what I want for my life? Yeah, that makes sense. It's also a really great example of what, you know, people talk about often on this podcast is, you know, just explore your interests. So you liked cooking. So you had a blog and that led, you know, you couldn't have known all of that was going to sort of blow up into this thing that might, you know, trigger a whole new step for you. But it was probably just started off as, hey, I'm just going to do this because it interests me. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, exactly. And it's sort of, I feel like some people don't make the time for that or don't think it's important, but you just never know where your interests will take you. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, so it was really interesting because when I was doing the food blog, I used to host supper clubs, which, you know, in your 20s, I had strangers coming around to my house for dinner, like 15 strangers. And it was in many ways, like the best social experiment. And it was so fun. And I made no money from this whatsoever. (laughs) But it was just amazing to have people from all walks of life and different ages all around the table. And my goal was, you know, A, to cook, so that it was kind of that, that, um, you know, creative outlet. But it was mm-hmm. also encouraging conversations. And sometimes you might get a slightly wild card person. And so <laughs> it was like integrating them into the group and making them feel comfortable. Or yeah. sometimes like building it a little bit. And it was just. Right. And I think that that experience, if you look back at like the the breadcrumbs of mm-hmm. why I got into employment law, um, it's because I was interested in human beings in people in you know human performance and it was just this kind of really interesting social experiment and so you can looking back see the breadcrumbs but at the time like you were just saying Megan like you just don't know where something that gives you joy is going to take you yeah absolutely so you're seven years in, up for partner, rethinking your life. What do you do? <laughs> well, this is um, this is going to sound a little bit woo-woo and out there. Um, I'm with you on the woo-woo stuff. So I love the woo-woo stuff. <laughs> but, um, my husband, my husband worked at the time for a tech company based in you know the UK, mm-hmm. and. Just about two weeks after I had been offered partnership, he came home from work and um, he said, hey, Charlotte, guess what? (laughs) And he said, I have a job offer to move to California. And um, we had been married about six months at this point. Oh, wow. And it was literally as if the universe was speaking to us and... You know, we both, I think, had desires to experience life abroad and to see what it is like to live somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And so we took that opportunity. And um, within a few months, we were located in Silicon Valley. And we've been here now for just over six years. Oh, wow. I mean, that's a huge shift. So, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so like when you what was your thought process about or were you thinking oh 
is there a way to practice or did you just know then, no, this is my moment and I'm, I'm switching gears mm-hmm. completely. Again, it's, it's so interesting because at the time I had this intuitive voice and I was really tuned into it. I am going to do something entirely different. I am going to become an entrepreneur. And I knew from my practice of the law that I had this huge desire for autonomy. Mm. And that had been fed at the law firm, but not to the degree that I was truly desiring. So I wanted to try something entirely different. And I knew that. But I had no idea what I was actually going to do. And, you know, for the for the next two years, I again tried a lot of different things. I was a partner in a creative agency for oh. around two years. And um how did you get into that? I'm just curious because it, you know, breaking into a totally different field in, in that way is tricky. Well, let me tell you this. I so we found the town that we were going to live in mm-hmm. and, and where which is that i'm just lost los gatos oh, okay <laughs> yep and um so i you know got on google and i started to google creative agencies in this specific area yeah. and i literally kind of wrote my resume sent out some emails and this one um partner replied to me and I went and I had a meeting and I simply went in there and described <laughs> like this is my background this yeah. is what I have been doing and I would really like to work at a creative agency I'm I'm interested in you know website development all of that kind of stuff right. and I have this legal background and she kind of looked at me and she said like I'm not really looking for any employees mm-hmm. but I really like the idea of having a partner. Oh. <laughs> and I was like, okay then. And um, within a few weeks of working there, it really um, made sense. It made sense because I was quickly able to like look at the amount that each client um, was generating from a revenue mm-hmm. standpoint. And I could see areas that, perhaps weren't being um utilized properly and so I was quickly able to like increase the revenue of the business um you know deal with all of the contracting side of things because right. that is you know my legal background yeah. and yeah it wow it worked really that well. is <laughs> serendipitous to say that yeah <laughs> it was it was strange <laughs> but again like I always you know go back to the woo-woo stuff yeah yeah I believe that when you put an intention out there into the universe, if you truly believe that it is possible, things are going to start conspiring and things happen. But it's actually be, you know, it's that courage and that bravery to believe that things will happen. Yeah. And And it's really hard. (laughs) Very hard. And Mm -hmm. also to approach it without knowing what, the road is going to be so presumably you wouldn't have gotten that job had you not 
you know, not just being a lawyer, but also having had all the experiences that you had gained sort of with your, your blog and your supper cup and Mm -hmm. and all that you learned in that. So it's sort of just doing these things to allow that to then, you know, you were, you were then in a position that this woman said, yes, you have the composite skills I'm looking for. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it's interesting because one of the first questions that you asked me was around um like how did I know not to go back into yeah. the law and you know I could have taken like the California bar exam and gone into practice yeah. and you know it wasn't all plain sailing let me just say that there yeah. were times where it was incredibly hard and like one of the hardest times was when I was pregnant with um my daughter who is now nearly four and I I didn't I didn't have that sense of like clarity and direction because like some of the aspects of the creative agency work I was just creating the same challenges that I had right. at the law firm and that was incredibly hard and I didn't know what to do and I did contemplate should I just take the bar and just go back to it? And yeah. those moments are really difficult. Yeah, yeah. And I I just think that's important for people to know that it's mm-hmm. not, you know, yeah, it doesn't, it's not going to be a smooth path. That's yeah. okay. <laughs> yeah, 100%. So, so how did things develop? You were, you were there for how long? For two years. Two years. And, and then, then how did mm-hmm. you evolve out of that? So... It was my pregnancy, my daughter, I started to uh, simply have created some of the same challenges that mm-hmm. I had at the law firm, the overwork, yeah. right, <laughs> you right. know, constantly being at the demands of the clients. Yeah. And, you know, I, I still felt like this isn't exactly the right thing for me. And yeah. that was that was really, really hard. And during that time, I had to literally go back to the drawing board and figure out what is it that, you know, is my unique zone of genius? What yeah. is my purpose? And like I really needed to dive deep and explore that and see what the common thread was Mm and that was the pivotal moment for me yeah and so how did you how did you even go about doing that you know it makes sense in theory but how do you think through something like what is my purpose yeah it's a big question absolutely and I tried to do a lot of this stuff by myself but yeah actually I started to work with a career coach mm. and I, I'll shout her out now, Amy Sanchez. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she was absolutely amazing and she really held space for me and she helped me to explore those questions. And she mm-hmm. also helped me to unblock limiting beliefs that I had created because during that time I had beliefs that I had failed I tried to do something different I had left the law and I tried to do something different but I had failed and now I was overwhelmed and now I was being a mother and how possibly could I be successful with all of this heaviness and weight right 
now what I know was that was a huge limiting belief um, that really needed to become unblocked. But at the time, it felt so heavy. Yeah. Yep. And so, yeah, that that was a, a huge part yeah. of it. I think so many lawyers, because of the way our brains work, because of our training, hold so many limiting beliefs that we don't even know that that's what they are. We just think that they're facts. (laughs) I can't do anything but practice law. I can't quit this job and find something else to do. You know, just all these things that we take to be just truth and Mm -hmm. teasing out one of those is what are real facts and what are these sort of limiting beliefs I think is so important. Um, and maybe not a frame that a lot of people um, think about things in, at least not sort of part, you know, associates a big law. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And I think as well, like a lot of us human beings yeah. <laughs> have been trained to be frightened of the entrepreneurial path. Mm-hmm. You know, a job gives you security and, you know, consistent income and you know all of those different things and as lawyers we are highly paid and so when you go down the entrepreneurial path it is scary and it's scary for you putting Mm -hmm. yourself out there but it actually is also scary for our family members yeah what are you doing giving up the law to you know, go and do something crazy, <laughs> like, right. you know, create a digital business. <laughs> right, and, right. And it's difficult for family members sometimes to even comprehend when right. they don't have any kind of familiar, familiarity <laughs> yeah. speak around that, you know? Yeah. So I think that's definitely something that kind of feeds into those limiting beliefs. And I, I see it very often when yeah. working with clients. It's not just your own beliefs. But it is the beliefs of others, be it your partner, be it your family members, be it society's pressure and so on that that feed this and add fuel to the fire. Absolutely. So you you dig into those limiting beliefs and sort of reassess Mm -hmm. things. and, And where did that take you? So that took me to figuring out the common thread. Yeah, <laughs> and the common thread was autonomy is so important to me. It's oh, I am so with you on that. <laughs> I'm realizing that about myself. I'm like, mm, freedom and yeah. independence are like mm, top top priorities. Yeah, totally resonate with that. <laughs> yeah, and and to kind of like dive into the word autonomy a little bit yeah. more. Um, my father, he passed away when I was 12 years old. He was only 42. My my mother, my mother passed when I was 11 and she was similarly aged. So yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And I, I feel like moments like that have led me to believe that life is too short to be unhappy. And totally. life is too short to play it small. And I actually know that that is, you know, when we let go of all of those limiting beliefs, that is the core of like who I am. And I want to have autonomy so that I can enjoy life and that I have no limitations around my earning capacity as well, you know? Yes. Yeah. 
So it's incredibly important. I want to live life to the fullest because like, who knows what is around the corner? And yeah. um, so I've kind of uncovered that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. That I just that's I mean I'm just like are you the same person as me? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I totally I totally get that. And yeah. so how does that translate into your career? So in terms of my career, yeah. autonomy is a big element of it because yeah. so again having my daughter, I did not want to be limited to the maternity provisions right, uh, right. you know in the US. Especially not the American ones, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> and we could have a completely separate conversation on that topic. But yeah, you know, yeah. so it's it's creating it is designing um a business and it's designing a career that works for me and my family and um what my lawyer superpowers are quite frankly yeah. what my superpowers are as a lawyer as a coach as an individual and um you know that that is autonomy to me yeah. it's being able to be purpose-led and help people and make an impact but on my terms not anyone else's right right mm-hmm. and so you now run your own company yeah yeah, yeah. and <laughs> what what do you do in that realm yeah so I am a coach to lawyers and um, my signature program is called life design for lawyers and what I do is take lawyers who are feeling very much um, they may be overloaded overwhelmed but can't see a path forward or Mm -hmm. perhaps they just know that the law is not for them and I take them through a process which, you know, takes them from overloaded. And I really love to use this word, takes them from overloaded to uh-huh. limitless. Yeah. And limitless to me means a lot of things, but it really means being your best self. And it means being successful and being able to you know, earn a great living, but Mm. also being true to yourself and not having to substitute your health or time with family or, you know, any of those other important areas for your career. Because so many lawyers out there are just miserable. I saw it when I was practicing and it just does not have to be that way. Yeah. Um, Yeah, absolutely. So what's sort of your philosophy? How do you work with people to sort of dig into those things? Yeah, so I have five steps. Step number one is self-discovery. And it's really diving into what is working for you and what is not working for you. And it is a complete career and life audit. Yeah, And we look at a range of different things, you know, your core values, what is giving you energy, what is zapping your energy. We look into your strengths, where your talents and your passions collide. Mm -hmm. Then we, this is my favorite part of the process, it's visioning. It's visioning what is possible for you. And I believe that everything is possible for everyone. But it's, you know, really 
getting creative with your vision and it's letting go of all of those limitations like that is not possible for me right and it's getting really creative and it's tuning into that manifestation element of visioning mm-hmm. yeah so that's really fun and clients love that and I think that when you are overloaded and overwhelmed visioning can help to shift some some of that energy from mm-hmm. you know a catabolic space into that more expansive energized anabolic state yeah so um you know that is why that goes there <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely a huge part of my work and probably you know 60 percent of the work is the mindset work and it's yep. just really examining the beliefs that we have examining our belief system mm-hmm. and it is learning how to communicate with our inner critic and let yeah. go of that imposter syndrome that many of us experience yeah absolutely you know so it goes through that we work on your zone of genius and then like the final element is actually coming up with a strategic plan (laughs) so it's not just thinking it's like how am I going to implement that and how am I going to create change in my life over the next six months yeah yeah so um I I feel and I firmly believe that it has to be you know 50% mindset 50% strategy and we can all have like you know the Tony Robbins style mindset with like an amazing meditation practice and all of these different things that we do in a morning. And that's great. Yeah. However, if you don't have a good strategy, <laughs> yeah, that is not going to get you to where you want to be. But then on the flip side of that coin, we can have like a seven figure strategy, but if we're not in the right space from a mindset standpoint, then you know, it's not going to work as well. So both of those elements are important. Yeah, I could not agree more. Um, I'm So just to jump back, zone of genius, like, I don't know, I feel like people like us who think about these things a lot are like, oh, yeah, that's just a term that we know. But can you describe sort of what it is that that is honing in on for people? Like, what does that mean to you, zone of genius? Yeah, so a great book to read is The Genius Habit by Laura Garnett. Um, She is an expert on identifying your zone of genius. Um, Uh But really what she talks about is identifying what your talents are and when you feel in that state of flow, Uh as if like time does not exist what can you really immerse yourself in that gives you joy and just feels very like in flow states Mm -hmm. and then how do you align your talents with something that you are passionate about um and for me I've always had this huge passion around well-being and how to you know look after our bodies look after our minds and achieve peak performance so it's fitting your talents yeah yep. mine is like you know listening empathizing yeah being a strategist and then applying that to an industry or area where you know it makes you excited yeah yeah absolutely so you know what do you find are 
both roadblocks for some of your clients or what are what is a good client or someone who's really sort of in a good position to benefit from this? Because, you know, I think people are in different um, locations on, on their journeys and maybe this maybe this feels woo-woo to some people, but maybe some people are totally ready. Sort of what has been your experience with um, sort of working with lawyers going through this process? Yeah, so typically I work with lawyers who are senior associates or partner level and they are between like 15 to 20 years into their career Mm -hmm. and they want to make shifts. And common roadblocks that they are facing is they are just really busy and overloaded with everything. Right. And, you know, life is designing them (laughs) and not the way around. Like that's that's the best kind of analogy that I can um give to you. Yeah. And it, their their schedule, their calendar, it is is dictating how their life is and right. it's exhausting for them. Yeah. So yep. and it doesn't have to be that way. And you know, again, I could go off on the little yeah. around that. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. But they're ready and open to sort of mm-hmm. think about yeah they can see it and they are at a point where they um they they are willing to believe that some of these limiting beliefs are limiting beliefs rather than facts and that they that there are sort of like more broad options out there mm-hmm. they are conscious that this is a problem yeah yeah and something is telling them that it doesn't have to be that way yeah. and they're ready they are bought in and they are ready to make a change and a shift. They're ready to do the work. Yeah. Because yeah. they can't exist anymore like that. Um, you know, another roadblock is the mindset, the yeah. limiting belief. Like, I hate this, but what can I possibly do to do something different? Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's that sense of feeling stuck, <laughs> right, right, and, and feeling like this is not possible. They, they know that they are successful, and again, they've got an inner voice in there that is saying, "You could be successful," but the the gremlin, the inner voice, the imposter syndrome is just getting in their way. So that's yeah. a great person to work with. But again, it's having a degree of consciousness around like this is dysfunctional and I don't want to be like that anymore Yeah, and I'm ready to make change. Right, right. Because if we don't have that, then it's really difficult to get results, um, you know, as a coach and as um, the client. Right. If you don't believe that you can change, then, you know, there's no point in us working. Right, right. Um, And... You know, I I do actually try to be very conscious when taking on clients that they are coachable Mm -hmm. and that we can achieve results. Like I am not in the business of taking anyone's money if I do not believe that they can get the results that they are desiring. And I screen for how committed they are Mm -hmm. to doing this work because that's really important and I want to work with people who are committed to doing the work yeah 
Because mm-hmm. as you say, that's the key to results that, mm-hmm. you know, if you're, and it's okay. I think people are on, on their own journeys and they hit these places of maybe you're just starting to think that, you know, you're so unhappy and need to change it. But this seems like, you know, yeah. two steps down the road from where you are. Maybe you're like, yes, I am at my breaking point and I'm ready mm-hmm. to really like make a change. And all of that's fine. It's just sort of part of the process of getting somewhere. Yeah. And yeah. I think sometimes, Megan, like we have to hit that in many ways. Yeah. Um, I did myself, quite yeah. frankly. And I, I see that in a lot yeah. of my clients. You have to sometimes hit the low points in order to really fight and um, create that shift in um, and to create changes in your life. Yeah. Yeah. So it's sort of silver lining of being mm. deeply, deeply miserable. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Okay. I'll try it. I'll try anything. <laughs> yeah. You know what? It's also... <sighs> We have to sometimes go through challenges in our lives in order to grow. Yeah. And in order to, um, you know, become a a better, bigger, more expansive human being. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. And and I, 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 I struggle to kind of reconcile that sometimes with, you know, my daughter. Yeah. I just wanted to wrap her up in cotton wool and right. uh, you know protect her from the world, but I I do know that sometimes we have to experience challenges and you know the the word failure is interesting because actually a failure is not a failure it is just some information that right. we have received to tell us to pivot yep or to try something different and we've we've tried one path and it didn't work out so that's actually great. Because yeah. sometimes a no means that we're going to get redirected to a yes. Right, right. I think so, that is particularly hard for di- lawyers to digest because mm-hmm. we just come from this background of, I don't know, just achievement, success. There's like sort of a clear path of what in this little world we define as success. And it's very hard to shift that mindset about failure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sure. But it's absolutely possible. And when yes. we when we do it, it's so freeing and amazing. And you can literally feel so powerful because you know that failure is not a failure. You know, yeah. it's so freeing. Yeah. So I want to start wrapping up, but mm-hmm. if there was just sort of one piece of advice that you'd give to people kind of feeling just stuck miserable what would like the one thing that you would want them to like walk away hearing be i would encourage them to take a really deep breath and just start thinking about the mantra everything is possible yeah and really just kind of tune into that everything is possible and start to try and embody that and and start to kind of step into that because it is and everything is possible there when you put your intentions out there to the universe to make a change to make a shift 
um, and then you take small steps and some days it is incredibly hard to do that and sometimes you may feel helpless and stuck and that there is no hope but if you can take one small step and action be that like reaching out to someone who could be a mentor or you know posting a piece of content on LinkedIn you know in order to help you land that dream job whatever your desire is then you know taking that intention intentional action is going to help you to to kind of get to where you want to be um so that's one kind of piece of advice that I would give I love (laughs) that I love that everything is possible and the idea that it really does have to be a mantra like you Mm -hmm. maybe that doesn't feel true to you in this moment but you know working on internalizing that Mm -hmm. that's awesome (laughs) okay Charlotte where can people find you yeah so um I'm very active on LinkedIn Mm -hmm. which is just Charlotte Smith <laughs> check that yeah. out and you can find me. Um, I am on Instagram. I'm actually experimenting with Instagram at the moment. I'm kind of enjoying it. And yeah. I had some limiting beliefs, let me say, around uh, there are no lawyers on Instagram. Not true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And they can also visit my website, which is charlotte-smith.com. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. I was anticipating enjoying this conversation and I very much did. This was awesome. Really appreciate your taking the time. Thank you so much, Megan, for having me on the show. I um, thoroughly enjoyed speaking with you. Awesome. Well, thanks again. Bye.